Good morning. My name is Tom. I'm an elder here. So you can see that I've entitled today's uh, sermon, The Fundamentals of Sharing the Gospel. Now, the word fundamentals, you know, it's not real sexy. Are you allowed to say sexy in church? Okay, don't tell Pastor John if you're not. But uh, you can tell by today's title that at the very least, we're going to have fun. See what I did there? See? Okay, with that joke, I think I should open in prayer. Let's pray. Dear Lord, please give me your calmness, your insight. Please prepare these hearts with your Holy Spirit to hear about how we should learn the skill of sharing the gospel for your glory, for your edification, and for your kingdom. So if there are believers here, Lord, may they be convicted. If there are unbelievers, may today be the day they learn about the Savior who can learn mountains. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Good, good. All right, so I want to tell you a short story um, about a skill I learned when I was 13 years old. And when I show you this skill, you might go, well, that's nice, Tom, but that has nothing to do with me. But just hang in there and bear with me because it'll tie in to our lesson today, and that is the fundamentals of sharing the gospel. So from the age of zero to 10, I lived over by Mountain View Elementary Road uh, School on a road called Valley Road. We were the last house on the road, and behind our house were, were woods. They weren't real wide, but they were long and narrow, long, narrow stretch of woods. And man, it was my playland. I loved it. Climbing trees, swinging on vines across, or trying to swing on vines across the stream, building dams, breaking the ice with sticks and stones in the winter. It was just my playland, and I loved it. When I was 10 years old, though, they started to build a road through the middle of our woods. And you may have heard of the road. It's called Interstate 81. And uh, when I shared this story with Sam, who's not feeling well today, he could not even fathom that 81 did not always exist. And so I thanked him for making me feel really, really old. Um, so they started building 81, and when they built it, it was still a great playland because we'd go down at night, and we would play on all the uh, earth movers and bulldozers, and they had huge piles of dirt, and we'd have dirt ball battles. And then when they started to pave, it was a great place to ride your bike. And it was fun, fun, fun until it wasn't <laughs> because in 1970, they opened I-81, and we learned very quickly that it doesn't really pay to live less than 100 yards away from a major interstate highway. My mom and dad said it sounded like a semi-truck was coming through the middle of their bedroom every single night. And so we moved. We moved to a neighborhood over behind the Colonial Park Mall, behind the library called Devon Manor. So, and there weren't any woods close by, and I guess dad could tell I was bored. And so to my surprise... We had a skinny little driveway. He put in a basketball hoop, a basketball hoop. And so for the next three years, all I did every day, all day, was shoot basketball over and over and over again, shooting, 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 shooting. My neighbor across the street, uh, Mr., Mr. I, I'll call him, he saw me playing all the time. He didn't have children yet. And he came over one day and said to my dad, I would like to pay for Tommy, that's what he called me, for Tommy to go to basketball camp. I'm 13 years old at this point. 
And my dad, you know, I'm one of six kids, and, there, and we didn't do camps. There wasn't money for that. And my dad said, sure, if that's what you want to do. So for the first time in my life, I went to a camp over at Lower Dolphin High School, basketball camp. We're outside playing around. I'm shooting the ball, waiting for camp to stop. And this kid comes up next to me, and I'm just at the foul line. I'm just shooting. And he says, and I quote, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I'm wondering, who are you talking to, buddy? I'm just shooting ball. He said, you're doing it wrong, man. You don't shoot with two hands. He was incredulous that I did not know this. You shoot with one hand, and the other hand balances. My mind was blown. My mind was blown. I had never heard that in my life. And so through the course of the next week, I learned that there are, is a whole lot to the fundamentals of shooting a basketball that I had never known before. Let me take you through it real quick, and then we'll apply it to God's Word. The first thing they taught me is that I have to have a good foundation, a good foundation. So I learned that your feet apart this wide was not good. I learned that standing right next to each other was not good. And so they taught me, Tommy, put them shoulder length apart. And then they said, put your dominant foot slightly forward, to which I replied, what dominant mean? And they said, what hand do you write with? And I went, my right hand, but what does that have to do with my foot? At which point they said, tune, just be quiet and do what we show you. So I did. So I put my right foot slightly in front of my left, and I had a good foundation. Then they talked to me about getting ready, getting ready from the waist down. And what they told me was, you got to bend your knees, not too much, not too little, just right. Get your quads engaged and make sure your hips are square with the basket. So you have to be ready. It was all about your legs. And then... They talked to me about staying straight, staying straight. And I said, what, what in the world does that mean? Well, I learned that you do, in fact, shoot the ball with one hand, with one hand, and the other hand just balances, and your elbow has to be straight to the basket. Not out, not in, but straight. In fact, by the time you release, your tricep is parallel with the floor. So that's how you got ready. And then the last skill I learned, and I know some of you are saying, okay, enough basketball. One more skill. The last skill I learned was to follow through, was to follow through. And so they taught me. I got this, got my legs ready, my elbows straight. All right? So you're shooting with one hand, and the other hand just balances. And then, Tommy, you don't shoot with your palm. You shoot with your fingertips. Never heard that in my life. In fact, they said, you should be able to see everybody on the court through this opening right here. If you're doing it like this, you're doing it wrong on your fingertips. And then I learned that you're going to shoot and release, and you're going to let the ball roll off these two fingers, and you're going to finish with a follow-through that looks like this, slightly to the side, not the center, not inward. So if you put everything together, it kind of looks like that. Boy, those lights blind me when I look up. It kind of looks like this. And then they taught me about these black lines and how they can give you the shooter's touch if you have just the right spin. And what they meant by that was if the, li if the lines are not spinning, watch this time, no, no spin, right? That's bad, no spin. This is too much. This is too much. But this is just right. And if you have that follow-through, see how I'm following through? If you have that follow-through, you'll have the shooter's touch. And what that means is even if you messed up your stance, even if you messed up your legs, even if your elbow was in, sometimes if you have the right follow-through, the shooter's touch will allow the ball to still go in. And so, folks, I practiced and I practiced and I practiced, and I had some really good coaches. They taught me how to lie flat on my bed and to do this for like an hour. 
And then when I went out to my driveway, I got on my knees and did this so I could get the release down. And then I stood up right underneath the, the basket and I shot. Now my buddies, they are sh- throwing hook shots from 40 feet away. Toonie, watch this, you know, and doing all these crazy shots. But I'm just underneath and then I take one step back and then 10 more. One step back, 10 more. Eventually, folks, I got really, really good at shooting. Now, I couldn't dribble or do anything else. But I got really, really good at shooting. Now, I don't want to mislead you here. I, didn't, I, did, I was a slow learner, so I really didn't develop this until I was like in my 20s and 30s. So my high school career uh, has one highlight, which I'm sure you'll enjoy. Uh, at six foot one, I was the tallest guy on my team, and we went to Lebanon, Lebanon Catholic, to play them. And they had an individual named Sam Bowie. Anybody? Sam Bowie? Seven feet, one inches tall. That morning when I got to school, to my school, my buddies had put a three-foot step ladder outside my locker, okay? So that was my day. So we played Sam Bowie, and at the game that night were scouts from the University of Kentucky, and they were not there to look at me, all right? And uh, so uh, I should say that Sam did go to the University of Kentucky. In fact, a few years later in 1984, he was drafted number two in the NBA draft. The first person taken was uh, Hakeem Olajuwon, and taken number two was Sam Bowie, who was taken ahead of, are you ready for this? Michael Jordan. Everybody go, oh. So Tom played against the guy who was drafted ahead of Michael Jordan. No, don't, because you want to know what happened in that game I played that guy? Sam had 36 points. Tom had zero Tom took two shots, one he put right back in my face, and the other one he blocked so hard it hit a lady in the third row in the stomach and the popcorn came out of her mouth. It was one of the worst days of my life. But anyhow, basketball has brought me so much joy in my life. And then when I got older, I learned a greater skill that has brought me greater joy and I hope will bring joy to you, and that is the fundamentals of sharing the gospel, of sharing the gospel. So let's look at our first slide here. If you have your outline, this is where your fill-ins are. This is where your fill-ins are. So just like in basketball, you needed to have your feet planted and the one foot slightly ahead of the other, it's the same thing with sharing the gospel. Our stance must be the scripture. This book, guys, this book. Now, we don't worship the book. We worship what the book represents, an active and living God's holy word. This book has changed my life. This book has changed, I bet, a lot of lives in here. People have died for this book. This must be our stance. This must be our foundation, okay? After all, let's look at what it says in 1 Peter. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Isn't that an awesome verse? The word of the Lord stands forever. And that's a, that's a beautiful picture. Shout out to my son, Jackson, who does my PowerPoint, because Tom can't. So thank you, Jackson. So there we go. Have a good foundation. Now, Scripture is the gospel. It's the way to salvation. There are many different ways to share the gospel. Some of you know Romans Road. Some of you ha- might have the three, uh, three life circles on your smartphone, which is really cool. See me afterwards if you'd like to order that, or just Google uh, life circle, three life circles, 
and it's an app you can put right on your phone. Some experts will say that a church should learn one way to share the gospel, and everybody should do that one way for five years. And, and maybe there's some wisdom to that. I, I don't know. But, but here at East Shore, we've shared multiple ways, and we let you pick and choose the one that works best for you because you all learn differently, and the people you're sharing with learn differently. I'm going to share with you a model right now, and I know you've seen it before, and I don't apologize for that because this is the most important part of the sermon. This is the gospel. This is called the relationship model. Stacy, you can bring the next one up. This is the relationship model, and I love it because it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. Now, if you want to, you can write this down or just see me afterwards. I took a picture of it on my phone, and I'll, I'll text it to you, and you'll always have it. But let's look at these four steps. Now, listen, if, if you're here today or you're online and you don't know what born again means or you don't know what asking Jesus into your heart means, please listen. This can change your life both now and forever. And if you are a believer, listen to it one more time and take to heart how life-giving this is and increase your desire to share it with others. So here we go. You were created to have a relationship with Jesus, right? Colossians 1, 16b, we were created for him, through him, and with him. He, there's no more laying in bed, folks, wondering, God, why am I here? There's your answer. You're here to have a relationship with him. He loves you, and he wants you to talk to him. Not all these these and thous, just talk to him. He wants to have a relationship with you. Number two, you can't have that relationship because of what you've done. Romans 6.23, excuse me, 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every priest, every pastor, every rabbi, every preacher, every parent, every individual has fallen short. And there's a payment for those sins. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. Folks, if we only had those first two points on that slide right there, what, what are we here for? What, we are wasting our time. But praise God, we go on. Number three, you can have that relationship, not because of what you've done, but because of what he's done. God knew that Tom and all of you are so messed up, you'll never be holy enough to be in his presence. And so he sent the ultimate sacrifice, his son who died on the cross for you and me. That same verse that said, uh, uh, for the wages of sin is death, comma, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And in Romans 5, 8, it says that, that God demonstrated his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even while you were sinning, he died for you. And then finally, it's a relationship you must choose. You must choose. So kids, 80-year-olds, 8-year-olds, listen to me. Mom and dad can't save you. The church can't save you. Being good can't save you. You have to make a choice to turn from your sins and ask Jesus into your heart. You, no one else, you need to make that decision. More than half the world thinks they can get to heaven by being good. It's up to us to make sure that they hear the truth. Not our truth, God's truth. God's truth. And when you make that choice, it changes everything. This was, the, this was the verse that you read with Lars this morning. If you confess with your lips 
Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that he hath risen from the dead. You will be saved. Those four words. Wow. You will be saved. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. I got convicted recently. Uh, I love to listen to the radio when I'm driving around. If it's bas- I'll be honest with you. If it's basketball or football season, sports talk radio. But as soon as that Super Bowl's over, as soon as the last NBA game is over, I go to the Christian stations and I listen to the inspiring Christian music and Christian sermons. I found two stations that do sermons over and over. And the one guy really convicted me, and he talked about when you're sharing the gospel with somebody, you've got to use God's word. You've got to use God's word. See, I, Tom got a little too confident in his relationship words, and I wasn't using God's word, and I was convicted. I was convicted. Why is it so important to use God's word? Let's look at Isaiah 55, 11. My word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Some of you might be used to the King James Version. God's word will not return void or empty. So why would I not use his word? Why would you not memorize at least three scriptures to share with somebody when you get into a God conversation? Okay, so just like basketball, we have to have a a good foundation. We also need to, we can go to the next slide, we need to get ready. We need to get ready. Now, in basketball, that meant getting your legs ready and your knees and your hips and square with the hoop and all of that. But in sharing the gospel, nothing, nothing happens without the Holy Spirit. You have to pray ahead of time. You have to pray ahead of time. At our church, we talk a lot about the one, two, three prayer. The one, two, three. If you don't know these three words, please write them down on your outline. Are you ready? Opportunity, wisdom, courage. Opportunity, wisdom, courage. One, two, three. Dear Lord, please give me the opportunity to share today. Dear Lord, please give me the wisdom to see it. And dear Lord, please give me the courage to take it. To take it. O. WC. If you're a uh, mnemonic learner, that OWC, um, uh, our wonderful counselor, or only white chicken, or I don't know, whatever, whatever it takes for you to remember, OWC. And pray that every single day. Every single day. Now, this is a prayer that I, I guarantee you, and I, you shouldn't say that much from a, up here, but I guarantee you because God's word says he'll answer it. He'll answer it. If you pray for opportunities, he'll give them to you. Now, for some of you, that scares you. So maybe you won't pray, but I challenge you to trust him more over your fear. Now, you don't have this in your slides, but let me read it to you. I know you know John 3, 16. I'm going to read that, but listen to 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The gospel. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. If you pray for opportunities, God will give them to you. God will give them to you. And also to get ready, you need to open your mouth. You need to open your mouth. Now, I'm not trying to hurt any feelings this morning, okay? But the myth of lifestyle evangelism is a myth. 
In fact, it's more than a myth, it's sinful. Lifestyle evangelism says, I don't really need to talk to anyone. They can just see by my good deeds and somehow they're going to come to Christ just because you're a good person. And, and I don't mean to mock or hurt anyone's feelings, but that, that's an unbiblical. Jesus Christ, who could do the greatest miracles in the world, like bringing someone back from the dead, followed it up with words to explain what he did and why he did it. So I understand how tough it is, especially with family members. And after a while, you're like, well, they know I go to church, and they know I pray before my meal, and the rest is up to them. And, and, and I get that frustration. Trust me, I get it. But you need to continue to pray for opportunities, and you need to open your mouth. You need to open your mouth and talk to them about the Lord as the opportunities come, and God will bring them. Okay, so we talked about a good foundation. We talked about getting ready. The next fundamental to sharing the gospel is stay straight. Stay straight and walk the talk. Walk the talk. So when we were talking about basketball, that stay straight was all about your elbow. Shouldn't be pointing this way. Shouldn't be pointing this way. Should be straight. Well, it's the same thing about our life, guys, whether you're a teenager or over 80. Your life has to stay straight. You have to reflect God in the way you act, in the way you act. Um, let's look at James one twenty-two. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So what is that verse asking you to do? Just be real and be genuine. Does that verse say be perfect? If it is, we're all going to fail. But just be real and be genuine. Because if you're not, if you don't walk the talk and you talk all the spiritual stuff and then your life is a mess, they can see right through you, especially if it's family, right? Especially if it's family. And if you are double-faced, two-faced, if you are not walking the talk, you might be called what I think is the worst thing a Christian can ever be called, and that is a hypocrite. A hypocrite. Let's look at what Jesus had to say about hypocrites from the book of Mark. Jesus replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You are not fooling anybody. You're not fooling family, and you're certainly not fooling the Lord. Okay. So we talked about a good foundation. We talked about getting ready in the one, two, three prayer. We talked about staying straight and walking the talk. Let's look at our last fundamental skill for sharing the gospel, and that is to follow through and be intentional. Follow through and be intentional. Now, when we were talking about basketball, we were talking about the two fingers and, and following through, but it applies to the skill of sharing the gospel too. Remember when I talked about the shooter's touch? If your follow-through is true, guess what? If you follow through with sharing the gospel with somebody, and even though you may mess up the verses big time, and even though you might be mumbling through your words, and even though afterwards you're like, oh my, that was so dumb, I can't believe I said that. God will still honor it if you follow through. And that person will come to know Christ despite you, despite you following through. So what does that look like with sharing the gospel? Well, 
saying your one, two, three prayer every day. And folks, if you're tired of me saying one, two, three, you can call it whatever prayer you want. But just praying every day for an opportunity to share the gospel. I challenge you, I challenge you, I challenge you to do that. It also means maybe you get a little bit of intentional and you always make sure you have some literature nearby you in case it's just a brief encounter, at least you can leave them with something. So maybe you put something in your backpack. Maybe you put something in your purse. Maybe you put something in your wallet. Maybe you put something in your car. What could those things be? Well, right out in this lobby here, we have church business cards that are written like this. Have you been reading our bulletin and God conversations people have had? People have had passing encounters with folks in waiting rooms, drive through restaurants, and they give them this card, and they put their name and phone number on the back. Hey, come check us out at East Shore. My name's Tom. You'll know me. Here's my number. Or we also have these tracks called, Are You Going to Heaven? And one of our saints here at church put the church stamp on all 125 of them. These are located in the lobby. Do you remember when we did this? Why I bought you coffee? Why I bought your coffee? Do you guys remember that? It's a little card. And all you do is you hang out at Sheets, or we don't have Wawa around here, do we? Okay, whatever. And, you, and McDonald's or wherever, or um, Starbucks, and you pay for the person's coffee and, or their drink or Slurpee or whatever, and you just say, hey man, I, I paid for your drink. If you get a chance later, just, just check this out. That's all I'm asking. On the back is a website whyibaughtyourcoffee.com. Guess what it is? A gospel presentation. A gospel presentation. Or finally, we have Gospel of John booklets. The first few pages have the plan of salvation. The rest of the book is the Gospel of John right out of the Bible. All of these things are on the table out in the lobby. Folks who are watching at home, you can get the, the Gospel Coalition. You can order from the Pocket Testament League. They don't even ask for a donation. I mean, a a price, they ask for a donation. Or contact the church, and we'll bring these things to you if you would like them. But all you do is have them nearby. And then when God gives you that opportunity, you know, and you got to leave, oh, 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 here, here, I forgot I had this. Here's here's our church if you ever want to check it out. That person goes home, throws that on their bureau. Maybe a week later, they look at that and go, and they've had a tough day. Hmm. And next thing you know, they come and they hear the gospel. That's how it works. One-on-one, genuine relationships. Folks, I know it takes time. I know it takes time and you're going you're gonna to have sputtering starts, right? You might be listening to me thinking, oh, Tom has this down. Wrong, wrong on, on us. This weekend, I had an opportunity to take a friend to the emergency room. And while that person was in the back being taken care of, I'm out in the emergency room lobby. And I remember somebody from this church telling me that they were in an emergency room and there was somebody there who was crying. And so they got up from their chair and walked over to them and asked if they could pray with them. And I thought, that is so cool. I wonder if I would ever be able to do that. So I'm in the community general osteopathic waiting room and there's no one else there. And uh, in case you can tell, I hate to sit. So I'm walking laps. I'm walking laps around the... um, emergency room waiting room like this and a young couple comes in and she's obviously in pain she's sitting in a chair her her significant other has her arm around her and she is just sobbing like this and the lord puts in my mind tom why don't you pray for her and i look at her and i said maybe next lap so i walk around again i come back again uh, maybe next lap 20 laps folks 
20 times I walked past that young girl. And then finally the Holy Spirit just smacked me on the head and I bent over with my mask on and said, Dear, I'm, I'm sorry, my name's Tom. I just dropped a friend off. You, you seem to be hurting. Would you mind if I prayed for you? And both she and the other one said, Oh, yes, please. I said, What's your name? And I prayed for her by name. And it was easy. But it took me 20 laps to get up the courage to do that. So I feel you. I understand the, the barriers we got to get past. But when you do it, next time, it won't take me 20 laps. It might take me 18, but it won't take me 20 laps. I'm going to pray with that person sooner, sooner. I just share that with you to say, I know it's a struggle. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. All right, you can go to the last slide, which is just our title again. Folks, uh, I played basketball for 42 years. It brought me a world of enjoyment. And I have no real regrets about it, except I tried to do it too long. I got sick. I got better. I tried to go back and play. I went once. I did pretty good. I went back one more time, and it was terrible. I was the old man that I always told myself I would never be. And so I haven't gone back to play. So I lost that ability. Well, guess what? One day, I, you, are going to lose the ability to share the gospel. You're going to lose it. One day, you're going to be, you're going to have some health concerns, or you're going to have cognitive impairment, or maybe you're just going to choose to grow old before your time. I don't know. But you're going to lose that ability and you were going to have the greatest regrets in your life. And I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on folks here, but you will regret that that family member, that relative, that acquaintance, that friend that you said you love so much, you never once opened your mouth to share the gospel with them. And that's a heavy burden that I don't want for you and I don't want for me. Now, I know that COVID is going on right now, but there's no excuses. There's no COVID excuses. I understand that there is a um, epidemic of coronavirus, epidemic of coronavirus, but I also understand that there's a, a, a pandemic of lost souls in the United States. And among believers, I know that there's a pandemic of apathy and not sharing like they should. So if you are confined to your house and, and you're sitting here saying, well, Tom, that's all great, but I just don't get out. And you cannot tell me that you don't have one relative who is unsaved. If you can tell me that, then God bless you. You're the one person I know. But I bet everybody here has a child, grandchild, somebody who doesn't know the Lord. And you can reach out to them by phone and you can ask how they're handling this COVID and you can call them intentionally week after week and look for opportunities to share the gospel. And if you're praying every day, one day that person will say, I don't know if I can do this much longer. I don't, and you're going to say, hey, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you now? And that's how it starts. And that's how it starts. But you've got to get past that fear. You've got to get past that fear. So what's the takeaway from today? What's the takeaway from today? If you're here or watching online and you do not know Jesus as your Savior, that is the first and most important decision you have to make. You've got to do it. Quit waiting for mom or dad to lead you. Quit waiting for osmosis to take place. You've got to do it yourself and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior.
Savior and Lord. And, and me or any of the elders or deacons or any mature person, male, female, whatever, can, can lead you to Christ. See us. See us. Talk to us. Open your mouth. Move your feet. Talk to us. And we'll share how to make that happen. If you're a believer, the takeaway, well, the question I have for you is not just have you shared the gospel recently, but, you ready for this? This is going to hurt. But have you even tried? It hurts me. Not, not have you shared the gospel, have you even tried? Did you even pray for an opportunity? I hope this is speaking to someone out there. Unlike basketball, eternal life is not a game. It's not a game. It is serious. It is life-changing. But if we want to use the win-lose concept, let's talk about it this way. So if we're using win-loss, if your takeaway is, Tom, that was great, no, I like your passion, but it's just not me. It's just not my gift. If that's your takeaway today, Satan wins. If your takeaway today is, I really didn't care for that point he made, or I didn't like how he used that verse, that's fine. That's fine. Criticize all you want. But if you're still not going to share the gospel, Satan wins. Satan wins. Or if your takeaway is you're not going to do a single thing with what you heard today. You're not going to change one iota when you walk away. God brought you here. God presented this. And you're not going to change a single thing. Satan wins. But through God, but through God, you can learn the skill, the fundamental skill of sharing the gospel. You can have a good foundation by knowing just a couple scriptures. That relationship model, I think, was four scriptures. You can do that. You can get ready by faithfully praying the one, two, three prayer or whatever you want to call it every single day. You can get ready by opening your mouth when the opportunities present themselves. You can stay straight by walking the talk and being genuine. And then, folks, you can follow through and be intentional. For not if God gives you the opportunity, but when. But when he gives you an opportunity to play some small part in somebody choosing Christ. Our Sunday school teacher this morning uh, filled in and said that uh, he's having a conversation with a neighbor who's really close. But you know why he's really close? Because the neighbor has a brother who's a believer and has been sharing with him for a long time. And the neighbor was just one more person in the line, right? So I don't know where you are on that line, and, and not everyone's going to fall on their knees and accept Christ, but you're just planting seeds, right? And God will allow you to be a part of that. And maybe when you get to heaven, someone will walk up and tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, you don't know me, but... Or do you remember when you did this one little thing? Now, I, that's not what heaven's about, but it still brings smile to my face that you could play a part in bringing someone to Christ. So... I'm asking you, Eshor, to, to do that, and I'm challenging you to do that, not out of guilt, um, uh, not out of uh, zeal or passion, but just do it out of a grateful heart for all that he's done for you, for dying on the cross for you, learn the fundamentals, the skill of sharing the gospel. Why, everybody? You know the answer. How does Pastor John finish every week? Because he is worthy. Amen?